today I want to wrap up a little mini series on difficult people. And I'm going to tell you right now that it's really difficult to deal with a brother or sister or coworker or friend who's making bad decisions, okay? When you have a friend who's making bad decisions, it tears you up on the inside like nobody's business. Come on. On the inside, you're thinking to yourself, this is so stupid. Why are you doing this again? Why are you taking him back into your life? I can't believe that you're doing this again. This is going to end so badly. And you have what's called angst on the inside. And one of the reasons that you have a lot of angst is because you don't say anything. One of the reasons that you have angst is because you don't say anything because after all, it's none of your business. I mean, it's none of your business. And besides, if you say something, they're not going to listen to you anyway. And then there's a part of you that's really concerned that if you actually speak up and say something, you're going to ruin the relationship. And you say to yourself, well, at least I'll be here for them when, when on the other side of this, and I'll be there to help them pick up the pieces. How many times have we said something like that to ourselves when we've got a friend or somebody making a bad decision? Okay. So today I want to talk about that. I want to wade into that. If you belong to a church or a small group, uh, in other words, if you've been Christianing long, the way that you do that is that you have a prayer request, okay? When it's time at the end of small group, we, you know, we go around a circle and do you have anything that we can pray for this week? And then, you know, yes, I need you to pray for my little sister. She has got this boyfriend and oh my goodness. And I'm pretty sure that he's going to propose and she's going to say yes. And I know he's already cheating on her because one of his buddies is one of my buddies. And I've been hearing the other end of this and oh, 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 okay. Could you pray for my sister? Pray that God will smack her across the head and she will see what's right in front of her face that she cannot see. Oh Lord, help me. Or you will ask for prayer for something like, Please pray for my coworker, Gary. Gary's doing things with clients that violates corporate policy. Gary is so going to get fired. He's going to get fired. And he, his wife lost her job like six months ago. They need to eat. Like pray for Gary. Okay. Sometimes if you're desperate enough, do you know what you do? You sick your pastor on him. Come on. Hey, Pastor Max, could you talk to, <laughs> and that's what that is. You are concerned and you are concerned enough that somebody ought to say something to them before they fall off the edge of the cliff. Southerners, by the way, do this all the time. I don't know if I can get my clicker working or not. I'm going to try. Southerners do this all the time. So say these three words with me. Bless your heart. Bless your heart. Southerners do this. So the Southern way of living, if Josh is going to do something stupid, I'm just all smiles and, hey, Josh, how's it going? And then I come over here and I'm like, Don, you are not going to believe what they did. They just bought this house and it's like $1.5 million. And like, I, he, I know he works for a bank. Did he rob a bank? How can he afford that? I don't think this is crazy. Okay. And so I go all over town and I'm talking about Josh, but I never talk to Josh. And then I add in the phrase, he bought that $1.5 million house, bless his heart, which is the Southern way of saying, what are you, stupid? Um, and, and it really is. It's an insult. So if you're a Yankee who's relocated here, I need to cue you in on the, the way that we talk. Bless your heart's never good, okay? And I've talked about this before. Um, 
you know, Lucy, Lucy's pregnant again. It's their sixth child in under five years. And, you know, the last time she was pregnant, she was in the hospital for two months. And then, oh my goodness, where are they going to fit all them six kids in that tiny little apartment? I don't know what they were thinking. Bless her heart. You know, she's pregnant again. Okay. So I don't understand why in the world we would talk to everyone else, but the one person who's going to bear the consequences of a bad decision or a bad attitude. It isn't kind, it isn't loving. Speak up when you see danger ahead. I want you to speak up when you see danger ahead, but speak in a loving way without condemning them as a person. For those of you that are over 30 years old, come on, aren't there decisions that you regret? Aren't there times in your life where you wish somebody had spoken up to you? Yeah. Now, if you're 12 or 14 or 16 or 22, I've got news for you. Part of your generation and cultural moment is that you really struggle with saying truth to a friend. It's really hard. And, you, and it, it's one of the hardest things that you face. But I want you to learn to speak up. I want you to learn to open your mouth because speaking up at the right time is an act of love. Today, we're going to be in the book of Hebrews. Hebrews is this weird letter toward the end of the New Testament that's written to a group of Jewish Christians who were really confused and they were tempted to go back to Judaism and ditch Jesus. And the whole book is basically this sustained argument of, well, you know how y'all like Moses? Jesus is better than Moses. You know how y'all like it? Say, I'm a child of Abraham. Jesus is better than Abraham. You know how you're all talking about angels this, angels that, angels done everything. Jesus is better than all those angels. So the whole book is this sustained argument about Jesus is better. Jesus is better. Jesus is better. Don't give up on Jesus. Don't walk away from Jesus. And one of the minor themes that comes up over and over again is this idea that if you're not careful you'll drift away from Jesus. If you're not careful, you'll drift away from Jesus. And, and the author's saying, you could end up just like the Israelites did back in the wilderness, where they were gonna get the promise, they were gonna get the promised land, and because they didn't believe God, they didn't trust that God would do what he said, boom, they ended up wandering around longer. They ended up waiting longer. It took longer. You don't wanna spend time in the wilderness. So it kind of culminates in Hebrews chapter 3, this warning part, verses 12 and 13, and that's where we're going to be today. So Hebrews uh, chapter 3, uh, verse 12, be careful then, dear brothers and sisters, make sure that your own hearts are not evil and unbelieving, turning you away from the living God. Be careful. And so dear brothers and sisters in the South, that's all y'all, Okay. Be careful, all y'all, because all y'all have the potential to drift away from God. You have the potential. I have the potential to drift away from God and to develop a hard heart or a hardened heart. And, and the author wants us to know that this not trusting God is the root cause that breaks that relationship. Well, I don't think I can trust God. I think God's holding out on me. That's the, that's the thing that was going on with Adam and Eve, right? You can eat all of this stuff except this one thing right here. Don't touch this. I'm not sure that I can trust that God, like I need to know for myself if that's really, you know, it was, it was a, the act of disobedience was an act of not trusting God. 
And so over time, that lack of trust, that lack of belief can become a hardened heart. This process, by the way, of turning away from the living God, it works the same way today. I met this guy, I met this girl, I've got this business opportunity. Mom and dad are such hypocrites. You know, they go to church, but oh my gosh, like they fight and they've got issues and they need to be in therapy. And then I don't like going to church. I don't want to go to church anymore. You know, Christians, they're so judgmental. And then three years down the road, I don't believe in God. God's not real. And it's a common path. It's a well-traveled path in the United States today. One of the things that the author of Hebrews says is that you actually stop behaving before you stop believing. Let me say that again. You stop behaving before you stop believing. I've seen this play out a number of different times. Somebody stops going to church. They stop participating in a small group. They kind of cut off relationships. And then a little bit over time, two, three years down the road, you hear them saying things like, well, I just don't believe in God anymore. I don't think he's real anymore. It's a common, common path. By the way, the opposite of a hardened heart is a tender heart. I remember when I first said yes to Jesus, I was in sixth grade and I was a liar like nobody's business. I lied to my classmates, I lied to my friends, I made up all these stories about adventures I had with my grandpa that were not true. I was a liar, liar, pants on fire. And I remember that, that feeling that I had that was new to me, that was this internal, you shouldn't be lying, Max. <laughs> you need to stop that, Max. In Pentecostal circles, it's called the Holy Ghost, okay? The Holy Ghost was on the inside convicting me of my sin. And I had an opportunity to either be tender toward it and, and start fessing up with my friends, which is what I did, or I could have hardened my heart and walked away, turned away. All of us are presented with those opportunities. So what do you do? How do you prevent a hardened heart? That's the next verse, verse 13. Hopefully I can get it up here. Boom. You must warn each other every day while it's still today so that none of you will be deceived by sin and hardened against God. Let me read that again. You must warn each other every day while it's still today so that none of you will be deceived by sin and hardened against God. Warn each other. The Greek word here is parakaleo, to appeal, to urge, to exhort, to encourage, to warn. It's the same word used of generals or military leaders that would give a speech in front of the troops to encourage them to go into battle, okay? Warn each other. It means loving people enough to tell them the truth. We can speak the truth without condemning the people. When you're looking at your friend's bad decisions, bad attitudes, emotional unhealth, and you can see that it's going to a bad place, speak up. Please speak up. When I was in seminary, uh, it was my last year of seminary. Jenny and I had another couple friend that we would get together with. And the couple friend asked if they could come over to our apartment uh, one night and share an opportunity with us. Some of you are already rolling your eyes. I saw them eyes roll because <laughs> you've had friends that have done this <laughs> or you've done this. Okay, so they came over and this was, 
This was back in the 1990s. The government had just broken up Ma Bell. And so the opportunity was this long distance phone service that was, you know, long distance phone service. Hop on in. So Max, Jenny, long distance. I'm telling you, this is the, this is the future. And when they left our apartment, Jenny and I both, without skipping a beat, this is the dumbest thing there. What on earth are they thinking? He had a third shift factory job. He quit the job. She quit her day job because, you know, it's the future. And six months later, they had to move from Kentucky, move back in with her parents in Ohio and, and stop seminary for a season. To this day, I regret profoundly that the only person I talked about that with was Jenny. We should have said something. We should have said something to them. And we didn't. We didn't. Paul writes this in his letter in the book of Ephesians, Ephesians chapter 4, uh, verse 15. We'll see if I can get this working. I may be out of range. So Ephesians 4, 15, instead, we will speak the truth in love. You've heard this before, I know. Growing in every way more and more like Christ, who is the head of his body, the church. Truthing in love. In other words, what you say is as important as how you say it. Let me say that again. What you say is as important as how you say it. Truthing in love. The thing about you and the thing about me is that we have a tendency to lean toward the truth or lean toward the love. You know people that are like, why well, just speak the truth? I want to stay, stand for the truth. Somebody's got to fight for the truth. And you're like, no, you're being a jerk. Come on, calm down here. And then there's, I'm, I'm on the love side. I don't want to hurt their feelings. I don't want to like, oh, <laughs> why can't we be friends? And so I'm, I'm resistant to say things I know I should say. So you need to recognize in yourself which way you tend to lean naturally because you're going to tend to lean one way or the other. And so you should recognize that about yourself. In the, in the book of Hebrews, one of the other things that the writer says is do not forsake the gathering together of one another. Okay. In other words, this truthing and love that Paul talks about Ephesians and the warning each other that the writer of Hebrews talks about needs to be done in the context of community, right? Worship and fellowship are linked. The warning each other comes out of relationship. So in other words, if you want to be a Lone Ranger Christian where you do everything by yourself and you consult the Holy Trinity of me, myself, and I for everything that you do, and that's the only people that you talk to is me, myself, and I, like that's not biblical. It's like, you know, Thomas Jefferson was famous because he would go through the New Testament and he would go rip, rip. He just ripped things out of his Bible because he's like, well, that's not God. That's not true. I don't like this. He rip stuff out of the Bible. Like Lone Ranger Christianity is ripping huge sections of the Bible just right out of there, Okay. If you want to honor Jesus and truly love people from time to time, you're going to have to speak up and say the truth. And it's going to be hard. So in light of this, in light of what we see in the book of Hebrews, let me ask a couple of questions. And the first question is this, who in your inner circles, okay, who in your circles has edit ability privileges with you? Who has the right to appeal to you, to urge you, to exhort you, to encourage you? 
because I've been churching a long time, I can tell you that back in the 1990s, we talked about accountability groups. Everybody had to be in an accountability group. We're gonna hold each other accountable. And the accountability tended to be focused on what you didn't do or what you messed up on. So like if I were having people hold me accountable to have a quiet time every day, I would report to them, well, I, I had four quiet times this week. Oh, so Max, you missed quiet time three times. So the emphasis was on what you were missing and the accountability. In the 2020s, I think it's merged in a little bit more healthy direction in among the churched people of America, and it's more toward editability. In other words, it's dynamic. It's relationship-oriented. You're looking for improvement with the attitude of, hey, I believe in you. You can do this. I believe in you. You can do this, okay? An editor will partner with a writer so that the author's writing is more clear, so that it presents well. Um, a lot of AA groups, Alcoholics Anonymous, like a lot of AA groups have this edit ability. You go in, you're in the circle, you're authentic, you say some things, but you know those people aren't condemning you. They want you to succeed in life. And that's the attitude I believe that God wants us to have. So who in your circles has edit ability privileges with you? Um, in churches, those are intentional relationships that you develop or small groups. I've been in small groups where my small group has said to me, um, I've been chewing on something about pastoring or church life. And people in my small group have said to me, Max, you need to, you have no business carrying that. That shouldn't be on your shoulders. What? Small group talks like that? Yes, they do. <laughs> they do. They can. They say things like that. Um, I remember one small group, one uh, winter, I was <clears throat> had a bit of a cough. This is before COVID, and we were all freaked out about coughing. And uh, you could cough back then, and people wouldn't freak out, okay? Uh, remember that time, the happy time, okay? <laughs> this just uh, <clears throat> went down the wrong way. Oh, okay, <laughs> that's where we are now. So I, I had a bit of a cough, and my small group was like, Max, you need to go to the doctor. And I was like, so I, the only reason I went to the doctor is because I knew the next week my small group would ask me if I'd gone. And you know what the doctor told me? I had pneumonia. <laughs> Turns out my small group was right, right? So like, I'm just saying, I'm just saying you need that context. So you need people in your life that you've given permission to have edit ability privileges with you that can speak into your life. And then the second question I want to pose is this. Who in your circles is going down a bad road right now? Do you know anybody who, as I've talked about some of the things earlier, you were like, oh, that's Denise, or, you know, whatever. <laughs> like, who in your circles, does someone come to mind? Okay? If you've got relational influence with that person, in other words, they like you, they care about what you have to think, I want to encourage you to go for it. And I want to spell out what that might look like, Okay? So how can you speak the truth in love? What does that look like? So I've got several suggestions, and they're going to put it on the big screen. First of all, I want you to know that it is going to be awkward. It's going to be awkward. You're going to have sweaty palms. Your heart rate's going to do this thing where it does the... Everything's like it's moving in a slow motion. You're going to not want to do this. So expect it to be awkward. You're going to have a nervous stomach. You're going to fumble through some words. Just expect it. That's part of it. But secondly, check your motives. Why are you confronting them? Is it out of love for them and a concern for God's purpose in their life? Or is it just to make you feel better? Right? So you got to check your motives. Um, why you? Would someone else do better? Is someone else better positioned to say this to them? 
Will what you have to say to them help them or crush them? The words and content can be tough, but you can't be threatening, name-calling, or condemning. Okay? So check your motives. Third, plan what you're going to say. I follow a path. Some of you are like, I've been on the receiving end of that path, Max. <laughs> I'm sorry. Thank you for hanging with me. Uh, I've been on the receiving end of my path. Okay? So <laughs> what goes around comes around. So plan it out. Here's the path I take. You might figure your own path, but I will start off with, I like you, or I like, I like us. I like this relationship. Here's why you matter to me. Here's, why, here's what I see in you. Then I will say something like, this decision, this habit doesn't seem like it's in your best interest. And it will lead me to a question, are you sure? Are you sure about this thing, this decision? Are you sure this attitude is really going to take you where you want to be? And so plan out what you're going to say. And then the last thing is risk it. Risk doing this. Now, I have to make a caveat. I've taught on this before, but now I need to make a caveat. You'll notice in all the examples I gave, I didn't talk about husbands and wives or parents and children, did I? Here's why. I've often said that the voice of the Holy Spirit in my life sounds a lot like Jenny, and that's true. God will often speak through my wife. My receptivity to the voice of the Holy Spirit when it's coming through my wife's mouth is significantly lower than it is with other people. Because often what happens with husbands and wives when they're speaking the truth to each other or they're trying to hold each other accountable on something is that what the spouse hears is condemnation. What they hear is, I suck, okay? And it's very tricky to overcome. So I just want to articulate that. Like, for example, if, if let's say my wife and I were like, we're going to be healthy in 2022 because we've been such couch potatoes. And let's hold each other accountable. And Jenny's going for the Cheetos for the fourth time. And I say, honey, do you really want to, like, you know where that goes, don't you? <laughs> goes to the dark place that's on the channels you shouldn't watch on cable TV. Like, okay, so like, so keep that in mind. The same thing, by the way, can happen with parents and adult children or teenage children. There's a very fine line. So here's, if you've got parents, so all of you have parents, right? All of you in this room are probably old enough now that you know exactly what your parents' issues are. Ding, here's what may surprise you. They know what your issues are. Like as clueless as they seem to you, like they know what your issues are too. Now, when, when parents start addressing adult children and teen children with the truth and are laying these truth bombs, what can happen with husbands and wives can often happen in this child-parent dynamic where the child just hears, I suck, and they don't hear the truth part. So I just, I need to make that caveat so that you can have the sensitivity for that, Okay. But by and large, I want you to risk it. Here's another important caveat. Say this with me. Thou shalt not triangulate. Thou shalt not triangulate. In other words, if Josh is buying this $1.5 million home, and I think it's crazy, and I'm over here talking to Don about Josh's crazy financial decision, I am triangulating. See the triangle? Josh, Don, Max. Ah, it makes the bad triangle that's not the Trinity. 
Okay. <laughs> okay. So, so if you have, so here's the thing. If I'm talking to somebody else and my concern is about Josh, I'm triangulating or gossiping one or the other, right? And here's the litmus test for you. If you find yourself wanting to have that conversation with somebody else and there's fire in your bones about it, that's probably a good indicator that this might be a moment to speak in truth and love to that particular person and not go talk to the other people. Does that make sense? Okay. So thou shalt not triangulate. Okay. Uh, team generations, we need each other in 2022. I don't know if you know this. We need each other in 2022. It's been a rough go in the last couple of years. Let me say that again, and you need to go full-on Pentecostal, okay? Are you ready? Can you go full-on Pentecostal, even though it's not in your background? Okay. It has been a rough couple of years, hasn't it? Amen. Amen. Okay, so we need each other, and we're going to need each other to be truthful from time to time, okay? So here's why I know this is true. I've told this story before, and I want to tell it again. When I was in my 30s, I was in an accountability group, because that's what we called it back then, with a, a, a number of other pastors. So of this pastor's accountability group, this is huge, two of us became church planners. One of us went on to lead an international missions organization. One of us became a missionary to a Muslim country. And no, it's not the person on the wall. And then one of us launched a recovery ministry. Okay, not bad for a group of pastors having an accountability time. Well, I was an executive pastor at the time, and I worked, work, 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 work. I was so glad that I had Jenny, and Jenny was at a stay-at-home mom at the time because Jenny could compensate for the fact that I just was never home, never home, never home, never home, never home. Was never home. Um, and so uh, I just work, 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 work. And there was a one of the other pastors in the accountability group was a man named Stuart Thompson. Stuart Thompson. He lives in New York now. Stuart, if you're listening, thank you. Um, so Stuart, in this accountability time, he says to me, Max, you work all the time. You work all the time. This is not good. This is not healthy. This is going to take you to a bad place. I think you would love the outdoors. Oh, Stuart, I can't. I don't have time. No, no, no. no, no. And every week after week after week, he would bring this up. And I remember the week that I had decided on my way to the group that I was going to tell them I was quitting so that I wouldn't have to listen to Stuart bring that up again. <laughs> what, I mean, what crazy guy does something crazy like that? You quit a group of people that are rooting for you and partnering with you in life, and you're quitting because they're speaking the truth to you? Yes, that's called human nature, okay? <laughs> and so, and so in, but I, I, I actually drove there, and I couldn't get myself to say, I'm going to step out, or, you know, I'm too busy to accommodate this. Instead, what came out of my mouth was, fine, I will go, I'm going to pick an afternoon this week, and I'm going to go outside, and next week, I'm going to report to you how it made my life worse, okay? <laughs> fine. Are you happy, Stuart? You know, the kind of Christian attitude that you expect from pastors. And so the week came, and I had told my secretary, I had a secretary named Alice, that I was going to do this, and it got all the way to Friday, and she became another voice of the Holy Spirit. And you know, she was like Friday at noon, she was like, the, the, we had an intercom. This is back in the 90s. Yes, Alice. So I'm uh, reminding you that you're going to go hiking, like you said, so you need to go now. <laughs> 
fine, click. <laughs> so I, I got in my car and I drove, I don't know where I went. And I got onto the trail. I, I'd never done much outside. And it was like, oh, and I felt peace in my heart. I felt like, you know, I felt connected to God as I was walking the trail. I was praying some things out. And then it made me matter because <laughs> I realized the next week in accountability group, I would have to report this. <laughs> and that Stuart was right after all. Oh. This last week, you know what I did on Wednesday? I hit, it was pouring down rain. I hit the trails at Shaker Village because I've been having a lot of appointments and a lot of stuff going on. And I, I now know that this is something I need to do that keeps me grounded, that allows me to hear God's voice with greater clarity. And so even though I was soaked to the bone, it was worth every step on that trail. And I got to wonder, I got to wonder if Stuart hadn't been willing to speak up, where would I be today? If Stuart Thompson hadn't been willing to speak up, where would I be today? Again, so a big idea today, speak up when you see danger ahead. Please speak up when you see danger ahead, but speak in a loving way without condemning them as a person.